0: But it's weird how the Giro, every year you come back to it, you don't think, oh, it's easy because I've done one.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I suppose like when you're kind of at the the pinnacle of the sport in a given type of race, whether it's, you know, Roubaix or Flanders or the Giro or Tour, the level's always high. Mm. Uh, So, there's never that feeling of like you're easing off a bit. But it's kind of like you say, like now if you go from... Uh, a Grand Tour to like a, a 2.1, mm. you know, level stage race, you can see that it's it's not the same. And in general, I think the level, and, and you can probably speak to this as well, like I think in the last four or five years, the level has like continually gone up and up. Yeah. Also, what I've noticed is that I actually feel that the the style of racing in the World Tour is actually going more back to kind of like junior style racing. Yeah. As to say... I mean, now it, sometimes it takes 80 or 90K for the break to go. It's like nonstop attacking, it's fast all day. It's not this kind of like controlled. I I have the feeling that, you know, like the the pro races before were almost like a bit more gentleman's agreement Mm. in some regards.
0: Well, G'day everyone, that was Joe Dombrowski, the episode I did with him last week, it's Giro time, and that was awesome talking to him about the Giro d'Italia, a race that he loves, the pink, the fight for the pink, the baby Giro winner, now I've got Joe on Talking Luft, a great episode coming up, of course, you know Talking Luft, it's always a bit of fun. This podcast is brought to you by RAFA, and I love what RAFA are doing with the Giro this year. The Giro and RAFA, I spoke about it last week before the new changeout kit had been released, and now we've seen it. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. I'm talking about EF Easy Post, the pink RAFA kit, which clashes with the Mygla Rosa. Of course, that can't happen, so they have to do a changeout kit. We've seen it the last three years. The design team at RAFA are famous for the work they do, in these Giro changeout kits for EF EasyPost and this year is no different. A color inversion of the team's normal kit with the pink sections taking on a bit of a darker hue behind those sponsors that are normally there. I really like it. I wanna try and get my hands on some. I spoke with one of the key Rafa designers, Nikki Hodge earlier this year about what makes a successful design project in Rafa's eyes.
1: I mean, I think that I I really like seeing it in the real world and like just seeing a kit that I've worked on in the real world. For me, having not worked in apparel prior to Rafa, that's always like nice to see that. But I think like as a successful project at all, it just needs to be transparent. And everyone needs to be kind of involved and informed. And it just needs to be clear and nothing, you know, all up front, really. I think that's amazing. And I think time will tell. I think it's hard, like not in terms of just sales or whatever, like retrospectively, Like, I always think sometimes it'd be great to see stuff in 10, 20 years and see, you know... I think with design anyway, it's like, you can't sell straight away. It's probably future classics, that's the aim, you know what I mean?
0: Guys, sit back, have a laugh, have a beer, and enjoy this episode with Joe Dombrowski talking a bit of loft. Alright, here we are, everyone. Now I've got him Dombro Joe Dombrowski he's here for talking loft mate are you ready I'm ready Talking Loft 2.0 I've tailored this one for pros it's all about style talking loft and rituals so I've got five topics style and clothing food rituals culture and about you with some questions underneath Okay let's start let's start with style casquettes capolinos, Cycling caps, mini caps. How do you wear yours when you're like going in for sign-on? When you don't have a helmet on, what's your style? Is it forwards? Is it backwards? you have the peak up, peak down? What's Joe's style? I actually like the um, backwards with the peak up. Wow, I've only had a few of them. I like it. That was Alan Davis's style. Um, Who else had that? Another another Albie. I I can't do forwards with the peak up. Do you know what I mean? Unless I'm wearing a helmet. Right. What about? I don't know. It just feels like a bit too much bravado for me. <laughs> what about if you were back in the old times, back in the day, when you didn't race without when you didn't race with a helmet, what would you have styled me? Would have been with a capolino, would have been with a headband, would you have just had the long locks flowing in the hair? Would you have one of those snag helmets on, those leather helmets? I think I would have the cap on forwards, but uh
1: one trick that I have seen others use, which I've occasionally done when it's like maybe it's raining, but it's a bit warm, is actually to cut
0: the center of the top out. The old taffy style. So, it's sort of like a headband with a brim. Right, that's, 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 that's the taffy, mate. Taffy owned that. He, uh, he had Mapei making those hats for him, cut already, pre-cut fabricated taffy hats. Can you imagine that in Mapei? Wow. That is... That's pretty next level. <laughs> All right, let's go to style, racing style now. Do you wear your arm armors over or under your sleeves when you start the race?
1: I, I always go under the sleeves, but inevitably, the, the thing for me with arm armors is, you know, you can kind of roll them up, roll them down. Uh, so in the end, like in the modern day of aero jerseys, to get it back under the sleeves, once it's been rolled down, it's not happening.
0: That's right. Thank you. I'm, I'm over. I'm over and everyone's like, how could you ever wear your arm almost over your sleeves? I said, what do you do when you pull them down? You are not rolling them back underneath your aero jersey. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, all right. So do you wear gloves or no gloves? I wear gloves, but I
1: never train with gloves. Uh, so I don't really know why I wear gloves in the race, except for um, one, when it's really hot. And you're like, if it's humid and you're sweating all over the bars, they can actually get a bit slippery. Um, But also, I always just think like, if you crash and you don't have gloves and you rip your hands up, then, you know, it's not going to be nice. What about socks over or
0: under the leg warmers?
1: Mm. You know, when I was a junior, I always used to go over the leg warmers, which I think is a bit more of a cyclocross thing. And I, I, I raced cyclocross as a junior uh, but now I always go, I go under the leg warmers, but sometimes I go leg warmers over the shorts.
0: Yeah, that's that. I haven't put that question in, but I do that too, because you eliminate that inner leg sort of cut. And also if you do happen yeah. to be racing in them, you can get them off in the race and your knicks are at that prime position on your leg. That you want them in. You don't want to do the Nick roll up, pull the leggies down, then you're trying to get them on that tan line when you're racing. Exactly. So glasses over or under the helmet strap? Over, for sure. Race suit or Nixon jersey?
1: You know, uh, it's interesting because this is some more, something I've changed on. Uh, now I always go with the race suit because I think it's faster. And also because uh it's one piece of laundry mm. whereas shorts and a jersey is two not that that's like a a, a major thing but
0: who you, you know by who the you end trying of to save the weeks, hotels. Start to get- look i'm thinking of the hotels out there and i want to be that guy who's changing yeah. the world
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's just easy um <laughs> but yeah so i've i've i suppose i like the look of shorts and a jersey yeah. better i'm more of a traditionalist but then I've I've changed over time into always wearing the race suit. But I think it's just this evolution because I remember when I first started following cycling, when I was like uh, 16, 17, around that time, the, the jerseys started getting aero. Mm. Do you remember like, mm. I think like Cervelo test team, they had like really aero kits, you know, from Castelli. And... I remember thinking, like, that looks so stupid. Yeah. Why would you why would you wear this like Aero jersey, you know? <laughs> and now it's like if you saw like uh pictures of like Ulrich and Lance duking it out in the tour with like basically t-shirts on, you're like, there's no you your ass is getting dropped if you're wearing that.
0: <laughs> okay, have you heard the story about how well I'm not sure if this actually was the the um the development or the the start of the aero jersey, but you've heard the um Zabriskie. Have you heard the Zabriskie Stewart from Parry Tours? Uh-uh. So he gets to the start of Parry Tours, forgets his kit. It's the end of the year. And uh, they go, what what spare kit do you have on the bus? They're like, well, we've got no spare kit on the bus. The only thing we've got is this long sleeve skin suit. So he's like, screw it. I'm going to ride it. And Parry Tours in those days was about 240K race. And like you said- uh-huh. No one was wearing Aero stuff, not even Aero jerseys. So he's rocked up in a long sleeve skin suit, and it doesn't sound that weird now. But to understand that in its time, I think it was around about two thousand and nine, um, and he just tucked the tucked the gels up the nicks, and that was the beginning of the Aero suit. You know, I'm not saying he went away and won the race, and that was you know everyone went, oh, I got to get an Aero suit. But he rolled it. He rolled it in a two hundred and fifty k race. But do you do you remember? Like back when we weren't always wearing
1: such aero clothing in, in road racing, but then like, you remember when you would do a TT and you put on your skin suit and you're like, wow, this feels fast.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's like the training wheel thing. Like essentially the training wheels the yeah. last few years I was pro, they turned into race wheels and you lost that, tra- that race wheel feel when you came to the race. It's sort of like, yeah, you know, yeah, my, race, my training bike's faster than this now. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next topic, food. Are you a rice or pasta man? Uh,
1: So I would say um, it depends on the time of day. Uh, For dinner, I prefer pasta just because rice. I I eat a lot of rice cakes on the bike. So then I get a bit blown out on rice. But the only thing I can't do is the, the pasta in the morning thing. For me, it's like, sorry, but like spaghetti for breakfast is... It's not happening.
0: That was my next question. Do you do normal breakfast or pre-race breakfast? As in, eat dinner at breakfast. So, no, you're a normal breakfast person.
1: I'm I'm normal breakfast, but actually, one thing um, the 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 nutri- I was having like some stomach problems in Alps, and the nutritionist is like, "Oh, we we should like cut down on your fiber at at breakfast, like if it's like an uphill start or whatever." And I'm like, "Okay." So then it's like, okay, I guess I need to do, you know, uh, like rice or something for breakfast. So then I was doing like actually a sweet rice with like banana and honey. And that's kind of a nice um, compromise because I don't know. I just, yeah, because like, like risotto for breakfast is like,
0: yeah, it's not for me. No. Favorite rice food? Hmm. Like on the bike. Yeah, like you go into the bus and you see it there. You're like, oh, hello. Didn't know we had them today. Yeah.
1: I mean, the little Nutella Paninis are nice. Okay. It's like, you know, I, I I like something like that for, I usually put it in uh, my left pocket of the three. When I have, I, I'll find like the Nutella Panini, put it in my left pocket because the left pocket is like, okay, the race has settled down. I have a moment where I can like eat something, but actually chew it and like taste it and savor it a bit. Uh, so then, yeah, something, you know, like a small treat or, or also it's nice sometimes like in the musette when mm. uh, I feel like it's one of those things that like the soigneurs like stick in there and then the nutritionists like it, it's, it's okay because they don't know about it, but like the, the small Snickers bar yeah. in the musette, that's like a, a little
0: pick me up it is good that i know it's such a simple thing and it's a dying it's a dying art you know you don't see it that often anymore well i didn't anyway yeah are you a coffee stop guy when you go out riding yeah uh i like i like to stop for a
1: coffee um i don't like like super long stops for me like 10 to 20 minutes is good after that it's like to restart is
0: a little bit like oof. What do you get when you stop? Like, um, not what do you are? You were like a savory man, or you walk in, you know, chalky croissant. That's me. You like to get the big sandwich. I I
1: usually go sweet. Uh, If I'm in Italy, like because I, you know, I live here in Nice. So we're on the border of Italy. So sometimes I go training in Italy and then I get like a toast, which, you know, for them it's like a grilled cheese. Oh. Uh, So I I like to get a toast. um, But. In France, I like to stop at the bakeries and get like an almond croissant mm. or yesterday I got a coffee, a, a caramel muffin and a, a Coke. That doesn't get sweeter than that, does it? No, <laughs> but you know, the Coke is, Coke is like rocket fuel. <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs>
0: you drink a Coke and it's like, all right, let's go. What do you get? Are you espresso man or you're a filter coffee man? I'm espresso, an espresso guy. Cheat meal. You get back from that ride. You've been locking it down for so long. You've done that race so hard and you're like, screw it, tonight is the night I'm having that. What is it? Like po- like getting home from a race. Well, just cheat meal. You know the time.
1: I mean, I like a good burger. Mm. It's always good, like burger with sweet potato fries. I also, there's a place I go to um, a lot during the, just when I'm at home training. Cause like I can order on Uber Eats, but for pickup. And then like in 10 minutes, i am like finished my ride and I pick it up that does like really nice, uh, like pitas, you know, like oh, yeah. and
0: that sort of thing. So you do your own I, Uber. I love that. You Uber it to yourself, do you?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, I order on Uber Eats, but I say like, okay, I'm going to pick it up at the restaurant and it's like, it's like six euros and it's like a complete lunch. You got your protein, your carbs, you know, you got a little bit of veg. So it's, yeah.
0: Do a drop off on the way as well. You know, make a bit of money.
1: Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, why not? I I can be an Uber
0: Eats delivery guy too. All right. Rituals, crosswinds or mountains? Ah, mountains. Training or racing? I mean, you've seen me in the crosswinds, have you not? <laughs> yeah, I know, but I still have <laughs> like to ask Fla- it. Flapping in the breeze. <laughs> Training or racing? That's
1: actually a harder question than you think. I mean, I- I'm going to say racing, but... There is an element of like, you know, when you're just home training, you go with your friends, you stop for coffee. It is nice. It is. Make a call. I'm going to say
0: racing. Right. Because I think you have to. At the the race, typically a DS walks in. It's a hard day and they go, all right, guys, the transfer's really long. Someone has to go in the car. And ultimately you go, I don't want to go in the car, but sometimes you get forced in the car. Sometimes you stay in the bus and more or less both things arrive like 10 minutes difference. And you're like, God damn it. I talk about this all the time. What are you, bus or car? Bus, <laughs> yeah. bus, bus.
1: Like I always find you get in the car and then like you get out and your back hurts or like your knee hurts cause you just did this hard stage in the cold and then you're like cramped and- they're
0: And you always save like, no oh, but time. It's faster. You save like literally yeah, yeah. 10 they're minutes. Like,
1: it's faster, it's faster. But then it's like, okay, we're sitting in traffic and I can see <laughs>
0: the car, like five cars ahead of the bus. Like it's not faster. <laughs> Which seat do you sit on the bus? Do you have a seat?
1: Uh, I like to sit in the back and kind of have a, a view of everything. And I feel it's more calm back there. And no one, I, I, I don't know. I, I've, I feel good in the back, but I've noticed in Astana, the, the bus driver kind of almost assigns your seat. Cause you have like your little cubby with like mm. your helmet and all that <laughs> stuff. And he always puts me in the front. So I haven't fought him on it, but Given that we're going to the first three-week race of the year, I may transfer everything to the back.
0: Do how do you pass the salt at the dinner table?
1: Normally, I just do it as any normal person would and pass it hand to hand. But, <laughs> uh, we we in Astana, it's a very Italian team. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there is no English spoken at the Giro this year. Uh, and being so Italian. Um, they definitely want you to put the salt down and then they pick up the salt. <laughs> but do you know do you know what I've I've heard? Uh actually I think Philippe Jobert told me this. I was like, why do they do that? Yeah. I, I don't understand. Uh so apparently, uh you know the is it Da Vinci that did The Last Supper, the painting The Last yeah. Supper?
0: Leonardo da Vinci. I so, well, I don't know for sure. Sorry. We think it's Da Vinci. Yeah.
1: I'm not really sure either. Anyway. So in this painting, there's Jesus in the center, right? Yeah. And then apparently, I I don't know the painting very well, but apparently Judas, the one that killed him, is sitting like somewhere next to him, and the salt on the table is knocked over. Ah, right. So apparently the reason, and when you think, Italy is still like a very religious country, I think it's it's quite a Catholic country, you know? Apparently, the reason that they will not give salt hand to hand is because it's like this whole thing of like knocking the salt over, blah, blah, blah. But it, it, I, from what, according to Philippe Jobert, it's from this painting.
0: Good, because that question's in every week. And now I've actually got a backstory to it. I probably should have researched that myself, but it just seems so ridiculous. And if you, this could just be folklore, but let's just go with it. All right, next one, culture. We've got two, two subjects left. Culture, favorite rider of all time. Ah, uh, That's tricky. Um, hmm. All right, favorite. I mean. Think about it. Go on. Favorite rider right now
1: then. I mean, like today is easy. I was teammates with him. And he, just also because he's such an easy, nice guy, uh, like easy to get on with and, you know, he can win anything. Pagacha. Um, I mean also uh, also a guy, I don't know if he's my favorite of all time but but one one thing that like I'm looking forward to in the Giro coming up is racing with Nibali because when I think of like a really complete rider, when you think mm. like he's won all the grand tours, he's won Sanremo, Lombardia, you know, like it's really okay, Tade is one of those riders that that can win all sorts of races, but and I say this with no disrespect to, for example, Froom, but I don't see Froom winning Sanremo. Mm. You know what I mean? So I have this like certain respect for like Nibli has this like racecraft. Yeah. You know? Uh, where maybe he wasn't always as strong. Like at their peak, I don't think he was always as strong as Froom. I think Froome was the stronger rider if you look at like the tour.
0: But But Nibli's Nibli's a racer. Not nothing against Froome yeah, either, he's but a racer. Like, you know, Sky created this this way of racing and it worked very well for them. But you've seen Nibbly numerous times off the G C and all of a sudden he's back in the pink or back in the yellow because he's taken yeah. some crazy move long way out. And it's just like that's racing. Yeah, and I, I feel um that to me is like,
1: you know, uh he's a guy that can kind of win and adapt on
0: all terrains mm-hmm. and in all
1: types of races, which I think
0: is is cool best moment in a race you know that moment where you're like oh i love this bit you know the attack's gone we get to sit up grab that panini or it could be rolling into the last k you're like yes i've made it thank god
1: i love this bit uh i'm gonna say like when it's a war for the break and then the break goes yeah and it's just like
0: yes it's gone yes
1: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, the, and you hear these like This collective holler of like oh let it go let it go and you're like hoping that the yellow jersey stops to take a piss and like everything settles down i mean inevitably it seems more and more that like the moment that that happens is when it kicks off again but when it finally settles down it's like okay we can breathe you can eat something good
0: (laughs) worst moment in a race then uh hmm when you when everyone says it doesn't go go yeah it's gone and then it kicks off again yeah uh
1: I mean, on the other side, yeah, th- that's for sure one of the worst moments. I mean, like crosswind stress. Mm. Maybe that's something you enjoyed, yeah. but it's not something I enjoy. Uh, yeah. Okay.
0: I mean, crosswinds would be up there. Cobbles or gravel? Uh, gravel. All right. Last topic about you. Um, when you're out training, headphones or no headphones?
1: Uh, I would say 50-50. What's like, playing?
0: Do you have uh, podcasts or music?
1: I I can do I could do both. Um, I mean, if it's if it's like high intensity kind of training, then uh, the podcast is maybe a little bit too much uh, mental stimulus.
0: But what you don't listen um, to Life in the Peloton when you're doing the you uh, the the forty twenties. I I
1: haven't yet, but maybe that's maybe <laughs> that's the secret. Maybe that's what I need. <laughs>
0: Do you read books or watch Netflix when you go to races or when you're at home?
1: Um, I would say a, a bit of both. Uh, I, um, if I'm like starting to feel tired, I tend to go more Netflix because it's just easy. Uh, but also books. But yeah, it just depends. Like sometimes something that's like kind of an easy read can be
0: nice um, just to- Children's book or something. Yeah, Doctor Seuss. <laughs> what do you what What's something you recommend on Netflix right now? What are you watching? Um, well, something I recommended
1: to some of my European teammates the other day for a bit of like a taste of America. Uh, which, it, uh, okay, it came out a couple of years ago, but during the pandemic, I was like hot on on this. Was uh, Tiger King? Did you ever uh, watch Tiger yeah, King? I couldn't get into it. Yeah, I got suggested. You that, couldn't get into I Tiger King. No, I couldn't get into it. I I thought it was great. But um, yeah, I, I watched Tiger King was really good. I started watching Inventing Anna, but I watched like half of it and I was kind of like, ah, eh, I'm not not crazy on this. Uh, she just seemed a bit too like, well, she is like fake. <laughs> uh, uh, but even some of the like short stuff on Netflix is nice, like explained, you know, like some of these like short, like I like, um, you know, before bed sometimes just to wind down in the race to watch like one of these 20 or 30 minute like, you know, history of oh. uh, like Explained has this nice series on like the history of oil or, you know, uh, there was one interestingly I watched recently on fast food, like how
0: fast food became a thing and like McDonald's and mm. it was just interesting. Speaking of which, BWS, beer, wine or spirits? What's your poison of choice?
1: I would say it depends on the time of year. Uh, summertime, like... Red wine can be nice, but but in the in the in the later part of the season, uh I like a a beer. And I, I like the
0: Belgian beers. Like when it starts to get colder, you know, like wintertime. War story. This is one of those days where you've just had it and you're just like, oh my gosh, this day was just a hell of a day. What is that day? What is that war story that you've got? Uh
1: there was one time when it was maybe the Giro you and I did together in 2018, but I don't remember when there was a breakaway uh, and I think we had Modolo in the race and we thought it was going to maybe be a sprint finish and or it could be. But in the break, there was like uh, Sylvain Delier, uh <laughs> these type of guys, like a Gregory Rost, like these type DeMarkey of guys. Demarkey you know, or just someone, like, yeah. Stoyven, Stoyven was there, maybe also Demarkey. And it was me and Hugh Hugh trying to bring it back. (laughs) Me and Hugh Carthy. And we were chopping off for like 100K. And I was like completely dead at the, I mean, like, I think like Hugh and I were talking, like it took like a week to recover from that.
0: In the end, we could never bring back the break. They were going like 55Ks an hour. So, <laughs> Mate, uh, this is awesome because we actually speak about that. In our 2018 podcast, we speak about that day, I'm pretty sure, because I say to you, you're riding today. Um, last question, what is the best thing for you about riding a bike? You're on the bike so much. Why the hell do you keep going back on there and doing all that training? For you, what is that thing that brings you back to it?
1: I think from when from a young age, it was like this, this source of kind of uh, – I started riding a bike before I could drive a car, you know, so it was a way it was like freedom mm. and and a way to kind of like uh, open your mind, switch off, relax. And even now, not that the racing is relaxing, but like training, you know, you're just out there in, you know, beautiful, beautiful areas and and being able to see things in a bike. It's like things come at a pace that you notice things that like driving in a car you would never see. And that kind of like liberating experience of of going on the bike, and I still feel a sense of freedom and kind of at ease, and um, that it's like almost like a therapeutic in a way for me still. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I mean, you never know how motivated you are to continue after you stop your career, but I have the feeling like all my life I would want to
0: continue on the bike because it kind of serves that role for me i can tell you mate that is a hundred percent true because i'm still riding more hours than i should now as a retired man Mm. joe thanks for being on the pod mate you've been awesome good luck in the giro bud thanks see ya There we have it, Joe Dombrowski. I hope you found out something a little bit more about how the pros have style in the peloton, what they do in the buses, and all that other sort of stuff that we talk about in Talking Luft. A massive thanks goes to Rafa who make this podcast happen, Lara behind the scenes, and of course, Will Jones who's putting this episode together. And of course, you guys for listening. I love hearing from you. So send me that feedback, good or bad, whatever it is, send it through. I wanna hear from you. The Giro's on. I hope you've been enjoying it. And next week, I'm talking also to a Giro lover. I've got him. Esteban Chavez. I know I said two weeks ago he was going to be on, but we had a bit of a mix-up and I finally got the recording with Esteban. So next week, I've got Esteban Chavez for you. Until then, guys, sit back and enjoy the Giro. Cheers. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Cheers, mate.